Welcome to Vintage Sci-Fi Shorts. In each episode, I'll read one short story from the pages of vintage science fiction magazines from the Pulp and Digest eras. Join me as we explore stories from a bygone era. Some are long forgotten. Others have had a lasting impact on science fiction. Stories are selected that represent interesting, compelling, or exciting examples of science fiction from the 1930s to the 1960s. In the first season of Vintage Sci-Fi Shorts, I'm reading stories from Universe Science Fiction. Universe Science Fiction was first published in June 1953 by Ray Palmer. It ran for just 10 issues, with its run ending in March 1955. It was then merged with another of Palmer's magazines, Other Worlds, which later became Flying Saucers from Other Worlds. Today's story is The Last Two Ships, a story written by Fred Samuels and published in issue 5 of Universe Science Fiction. To Rachel, it was no sacrifice. With no regrets, she traded a possible 40 years of life on Venus for two years of heaven on Earth. The last rocket had left two years ago. Now the bombardment began. Great lunar rocks smashed into Earth. Upon its moon, now some 20,000 miles away, mountains were being rent asunder. They stood arm in arm and watched. Centuries ago, their ancestors had stood and watched the beginning of this process, which must someday culminate in Earth's destruction. Then, huge rocks were drawn from the oncoming moon and left to swirl around Earth, on and on. Now all of Luna was returning home home into the bosom from whence it had been flung out into space. They watched and remembered the day the last rocket left Earth. He had come home excited. Rachel made him sit down and relax. His heart condition made even the slightest excitement perilous. Rachel, the last spaceship is leaving tomorrow. She said nothing as she removed the pot from the range. She poured the thick green soup into a bowl and sat down opposite her husband. Did you hear me? The last ship is leaving tomorrow at 8 a.m. Will everyone fit into it? Of course, there are no more than 200 people left on Earth. I wonder how they're doing on Venus. Okay, I suppose. Can they breathe there? They took enough oxygen for months. By that time, they'll have converted enough carbon dioxide into oxygen to last indefinitely. Oh, how do you feel, Henry? 
Fine, fine, of course. Come on, let's start packing. That night had been full of dreams and memories. She remembered how they watched the first contingent of spaceships roar off. It would still be safe on Earth for a while longer. But Earth would be evacuated gradually so as to avoid panic. Day by day, the ships took off. They moved toward Venus. They carried with them the tools and knowledge necessary to build a new civilization on a planet where nothing but great, luxuriant plants now dwelt. Day by day, she had thought of excuses to stay behind a little longer. A little longer. And now the last ship was to leave. There could be no more excuses. No more delays. She saw the great rocket shoot from the ground. Beside her, strapped down, was Henry. The ship hurtled upwards. Henry turned pale. He clutched at his heart. He can never stand acceleration. He can never stand acceleration. Are you sure, Dr. Ross? Yes, I'm sure, my friend. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Does he know? Yes, he knows. Will he die? On a rocket, he will die. On a rocket, he will die. On a rocket, he will die. She sat up and looked at the sleeping form of her husband. He had not heard her. Then she looked at the luminous hands of the radio clock near the bed. 3.15. The radio was set to go on at 6.30. They were all packed. They just had to walk 15 minutes to the launching platform, and that would be that. She pulled out the little white knob on top and adjusted the alarm. The radio would go on at 8.15. Henry was tired. He needed a good rest. She went back under the covers. She would not want to live without him. A year, perhaps two more years, on a deserted planet? It would be that much more happiness. That much more time together. Venus would probably be too warm anyhow. When he awoke, he looked at the clock and knew what had happened. He was disappointed. Perhaps two more years of dragging himself around, gasping for air, throwing pills down his throat, twisting and bending over. Two more years of pain and anguish and waiting for the end. He had looked upon the acceleration as a respectable way of committing suicide. It would cause no scandal, no ill feelings, just an unavoidable accident, a made-to-order means of suicide. The torment would be over. Now the ship had left. He reached for a small bottle on the radio table and poured two pills hastily into his hand. He dropped them down his throat. Two more years of torture. Then he looked at Rachel's face. She was still asleep. She was dreaming. He could tell that from the smile. Then suddenly a great shame overwhelmed him. Here he was feeling sorry for himself when she had just given up so much for him. She had given up perhaps 40 years of life. She had given up the chance to have children. She was beautiful. She would not have stayed a widow for long. He looked at the smiling face. Could another love another so much? He loved her more than he had once thought could be possible. But would he have given up so much? Would he have remained behind with her had the situation been reversed? He bent over the sleeping form and kissed her. They were walking arm in arm through the woods. The birds sang all about. They rested upon the grass. Stretched out, they saw the sun rise through the trees. She rolled over and pressed her lips onto the dewy grass. She awoke and saw him moving up from her. How do you feel, Henry? She was not quite sure if she could look him in the eye. I feel wonderful. I rather think I'm going to outlive this old earth. She looked carefully at him. He was smiling. If he were angry or in pain, she did not know. That he had vowed to keep his suffering to himself, she could not have known. All she saw was a smiling man looking down at her with moist eyes. Shall we take a ride to Coney Island today, dear? That would be fine, Henry. 
She got up and started looking for the bathing suits and then stopped and had a good laugh at herself. There was nobody left but them. This was the day of the last rocket. For two years, they had been happy. They walked beside the ocean. They rode out into the country and stopped alongside streams and watched the frogs and turtles and listened to the birds. She wondered if these animals knew of the impending tragedy. If they cared, she wondered if they would continue raising young, if they knew. She hadn't noticed many nests lately. She wondered what the whole vast history of Earth meant now, from Adam and Eve to Henry and Rachel. She laughed as she thought of what Henry would say to that. Henry, who had gotten his M.A. in physical anthropology. Henry, who had made great contributions to the study of evolution until Dr. Ross had forbidden him to go on any more expeditions. You can teach in the classroom if you don't allow things to upset you. But my whole life is tied up in field research. I'm still young. I can stand any physical strain. Your heart cannot. You never will get old if you don't stop now. That was years before the final decision for Earth evacuation. And then the Great Exodus. And the full story of evolution would never be known. Buried somewhere in the blackened wreckage of Earth would lie the tale never to be discovered. It was almost as if someone or something did not want it to be known. Yet Henry had never been so happy. Her love, which allowed her to surrender years of living, penetrated into his being and awakened feelings of love within him he had long since lost in the objectiveness of unearthing bones and analyzing them. They would stand beneath the moon, now massive in size, and look at the stars that would still be there when the moon would be but a shattered memory. Henry would place his arm about her and whisper into her ear as he did many years ago. I would give you the moon if I could. He found that sense of humor was indispensable. We'll soon have the moon, just you and I. She found it easy to joke about the oncoming disaster. She had been given two years of grace with the man she loved. What else could one desire? In all that time, he had seemed serenely happy and untroubled by his condition. Whenever she asked, he would say he was feeling wonderful. He would not even take the pills in front of her anymore. And when he was so racked with pain that he felt he had to double up, he somehow managed to keep it inside till he could be alone for a few moments. Once she came back from his kitchen to find him flailing his arms about wildly into the sofa. When he heard her footsteps, he looked up, face pale and drawn. I guess I just dozed off and had a nightmare, he gasped. Are you sure you're all right, Henry? He somehow managed to draw color back into his face. Ain't a fellow allowed a nightmare now and then. She seemed convinced by his act and let it pass. The earth had been trembling lately. The time could not be far off when the mountains of Luna would come hurtling down upon its mother planet. And then it came. Great flaming rocks plummeted towards Earth as mountains on the moon cracked apart. They stood outside and watched as meteorites smashed into forest and ocean. Flames rose where forests had once stood green and tranquil, where animals had once roamed and birds sang, and fish swam in the streams, now boiling torrents of death. The ocean seethed and hissed as myriad charred hulks rose to the surface. They stood arm in arm as a burning rock buried itself into the ground half a mile away. They felt the heat as the surrounding countryside took on added temperature. It can't be much longer, he said. You're not sorry, are you? She looked at him and said nothing but held him close. Are you sorry, Henry? I have never been so happy. She raised her eyes to his, and he looked deep into them and saw how needless his question was. 
He saw how needless anything really was except to be loved, to love, to mean life to someone else, to have someone else mean life to him. He didn't care at all now if the secrets of evolution lay locked in a burned-out sphere till time eternal. Nothing mattered. Nothing save each last moment with her. They held each other closely, firmly, as a rock two miles in diameter crashed upon them. A golden mist in the form of a spaceship glided down. Look, my darling, the ship that left two years ago wasn't the last one after all. No, Henry, and look how gently it lands. The pilot and co-pilot drifted through the golden haze and gathered the two into their arms. They placed them upon a soft violet rug within the ship and left the blackened sphere behind. As the ship moved effortlessly on and on, a voice soft and musical came from the pilot as he turned to his comrade. These last two have come a long way from the first two. I think he will be pleased. Two Ships is the only story written by Fred Samuels listed at the Internet Speculative Fiction Database. If you know more about Fred Samuels, drop me a note on Twitter at Sci-Fi Shorts Pod. All issues of Universe Science Fiction are available on the Internet Archive at archive.org.